Hello and welcome to another episode of Large Popcorn. This is episode 10, so thank you for sticking around for, for double digits. Uh, of course, this movie podcast is a space where friends gather around to have elevated and comfortable discussions about all things film in the least pretentious way possible, or at least we hope. For those of you who don't know me, I am your host, Christian, Christian Macias, and alongside me today is a very special cast, a very motley crew of characters we have with us. Uh, our first guest is a game developer, host of Disney Plus Us podcast, and legendary beanie wearer. You may know him as Griffy D-Pad, Griffin Thinnell. How are you? Good, good. My beanie is just a normal beanie. But I wish it was a legendary beanie. Well, I think you're legendary for wearing the beanies. Like, it's part of your character. I mean, I literally never don't wear a beanie, so <laughs> probably. I love it. And our other uh, guest for today, uh, co-host of the new Podkit Monsters podcast, which you should totally check out, um, and winner of PS I Love Photo Mode for Miles Morales Week, hello, Dustin Cunningham. How are you? Hi guys, I am good. I'm excited to talk about Lord of the Rings. It's one of my favorite film trilogies of all time, so I'm excited to talk about that and other stuff. But Yeah, I hope we uh, converted Griffin. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know, Dustin, a big fan of the franchise. Myself, I love the movies. Griffin had never seen them before, so we thought this Literally would be... Literally never. So it was your first time, yeah? When did you watch it, I should ask? I watched it yesterday. Nice. Um, as we're recording this. And it was definitely like, it was an all day event having to sit down and watch it. It's, you know, three hours long. It's an ordeal for sure. Like I had to order food and like get myself ready for like three hours for it's sure. Hard. It's hard to carve three hours out of a day for these movies. I, I sat down yesterday around noon, like cup of coffee, ready to go. I was like, all right, let's do this. Got like an hour in. I was like, God, I need a break. I need to like go <laughs> grab some more food, get ready for the rest of this. By the- it's totally understandable. It's super dangerous to watch these movies at home, too, because, like, in a movie theater, like, I just have, like, my popcorn and stuff, and, like, that's all the snacking I'm doing. But, like, while I'm watching this at home, I had two separate meals. It was a lot. At least you can, like, pause it, though. Yep. Very true. Very true. That is nice. Folks, remember that each week a new episode of Large Popcorn goes live where I and a guest talk about the latest in cinema world news, whether it be film reviews, discussions, director film director filmography rankings and much much more if you like what you hear please give us a sub on your favorite podcast service of choice and remember to leave a review because that does indeed help us out if you have any questions please dm them directly to at large popcorn pod over on twitter um, where a new episode goes live every tuesday so we sincerely hope that you stick around as always everything we talk about will be in the show notes down below so give those a peek at your leisure for now, let's get into our first few news items of the day with our first segment called Real Roundup. I've got a few stuff for us to talk about today. I don't know if you guys have given the uh, the doc a peek or a look through yet. Um, yeah, I've looked through it. Nice. Okay. I'm looking at it and all of these are exciting for, to, for me. Oh, awesome. Okay. <laughs> so our first comes from at uh, Saraya Wilson on Twitter where she says, quote, I'm just going to post this now because I can see that I'm going to get a lot of requests. Yes, Ryan's Star Wars, in in reference to Ryan Johnson, Ryan's Star Wars trilogy is still on. No dates or timelines because he has other projects going on, but it is happening. That is all I know about. 
Guys, what do we think about the news that Ryan Johnson is indeed working on his own trilogy for Star Wars? Give it to me now. I'm I'm so happy that we're actually getting this. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm an avid Last Jedi defender. Yes, I think it's, it's it's my second favorite Star Wars movie, hands down. I absolutely love it. I love the all the like brave choices they decided to make in that movie. Mm-hmm. I love the characters, everything about it. So I'm very excited. What what is your first favorite, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, Empire Strikes Back. Classic. Can't go wrong with that one. Yep, exactly. That's definitely a good one. Yeah, the yeah for me. Go ahead. I was gonna say for me, it's we're finally getting like a payoff to the end of the Last Jedi, and we're finally gonna see mm-hmm. more of the Star Wars universe in a way that like Ryan was clearly setting up in the Last Jedi. Oh yeah, and that I was I don't know I was hoping to actually get payoff in. Uh, the Rise of Skywalker, but yeah. Yeah, let, let's yeah, not talk movie. about The Rise of Skywalker. That, that one was uh, not the greatest just, of the new trilogy. There's so much possibility with Star mm-hmm. Wars, and I think with Ryan, we finally get to see some of that possibility like actually come to light. Plus, I don't know if any uh, if of you guys have listened or read the new um, any of the new uh, High Republic mm-hmm. work, but I think that I know that they're sticking mainly to like literature for that, but I think that Ryan Johnson would make an excellent story on the High Republic. It's it's really fascinating so far. Cause Ryan's just like a great writer director all around. Yeah. yeah, I love his work. Yep. And I haven't read the book myself, but I've heard uh, the gang over at Cantina Conversations talk about it. So um Yeah. Oh, the last yeah, thing I'm like, What was that? I'm like I'm like two pages into the, or sorry, not two pages. I'm like the only read the forward of that book, uh, and it's already like pulls you in. It is, yeah. yeah. This is the world like the era that they're setting up that would be really cool to see more of. But also, I get why they're doing it with just literature. It's easier to get more out that way. Is yeah. this is this the book you guys recommend? Like, should I pick this up? Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, Light of the Jedi is an excellent book. Awesome. I'm excited. Like I when I when the last Jedi first came out, like I think my biggest complaint was that like there wasn't it didn't feel like there was any cohesion with with the the trilogy itself and I know that's a, a lot of people's complaints were, but uh like looking back, I think Ryan Ryan's movie by far like is the strongest of the three. Um and again, I just love Ryan, so th- this news really excites me and I can't wait to see what he does with the franchise. Yeah. I um I absolutely adored The Force Awakens when it first came out. I saw it five times in theaters. Like I I loved it. I couldn't get enough of it. Mm-hmm. But when I watched Last Jedi, it was all like I read all the complaints and comments and everything later, and it was you know I, upon like rewatching Force Awakens, J.J. Abrams set up a lot of things without really like any hint on where they were going. So like Ryan just kind of was like, okay, this is what I have to work with. I'm going to oh, yeah. make it cool interesting my way. And I just felt like people got so mad, but it's like, well, if JJ Abrams wanted to answer any of these questions, maybe he should have done it in his first movie. I mean, he didn't really do a good job, like in lost. I don't know if you guys have seen lost, like I've seen episodes, but <laughs> we... I've never watched. Them oh, before. okay. Okay. Like we knew what kind of person JJ was. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. He likes to ask the questions, but never answer. Oh Yeah let's keep going yeah let's keep going down our list this one comes from variety paddington 3 officially in the works through paul king oh sorry though paul king will most likely not direct he is reported to still be involved in its production 
he's busy working on his upcoming prequel film, Wonka. Do you guys have any affinity with the new Paddington franchise? I hope you do. Yay! I'm really I, happy. I have seen parts of both of the first two, but never all of them. Oh, man. I, I'm giving you homework right now, man. You have to go watch Paddington and Paddington 2. Those two movies are just perfectly wholesome. Mm-hmm. I watched part of Paddington 2 while drunk on New Year's Eve. <laughs> I think that's why I didn't finish it, is because we just... That's we fair. Were, you know, partying a little bit too hard. Yeah. <laughs> no, these are like some of the most like heartwarming, wholesome movies I've probably ever seen. Like they're they're up there, like at least in my Paddington 2 specifically might be like in my top ten films of the last decade. Maybe top twenty if I'm like actually like looking at it. But yes, please please go watch Paddington 2. Oh my god. Yeah, if it were um for sure. Yes, please go watch them and report back, Dustin. I will. <laughs> if it were any other movie like franchise, I would might be worried about it possibly getting another director. But honestly, just because it is Paddington and like Paddington is not hard to it's it's hard to mess up Paddington. Yeah, like I'm I'm just happy we're getting more. I don't even I don't care who directs right now. That's that's exactly where my, I'm at too. I was a bit worried at first, and I was like, you know what? It's at the end of the day, I just want more Paddington Bear. I don't care who makes it. I just need more of it in my life. So, yes, absolutely. If, if the original director isn't directing, but he's involved in the production, at least that sh- it's a good sign of him, you know, producing it or something like that. Of course, or yeah. Writing the script or something. So that's that's good that he's at least still involved. And also, like, Paul King's work on Paddington actually makes me excited for Wonka as well. I know people are, like, we're kind of skeptical about, like, do we, is this a movie we actually need? Like, the two frontrunners, I think, are Tom Holland and Timothy Chalamet, which can be kind of a meme on Twitter. But I have full faith in Paul King. So I'm excited for both of these projects. Yeah. I'll I'll watch the first two so I can watch the third one. Yes. Good for you. (laughs) Our, Our next item is one uh i'm excited well we'll see uh just straight up trailer impressions the the new mortal Kombat trailer just dropped a few days ago um it is in theaters and on hbo max on april 16th do we have any thoughts about this film so far from what we've seen yo yo that scene where sub-zero cuts (laughs) and catches the blood and a knife and stabs him are you kidding me that looked like it that was like straight out of the game that is the only scene I think that I actually enjoyed watching. Unfortunately, I could rewatch that scene all day. <laughs> it's a cool gif. It's such a cool gif. Yeah. I'm cautiously optimistic because there's a ha- I could count the number of like decent video game movies on one hand. And full disclosure, Detective Pikachu is my favorite video game movie ever, and I, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Judge me if, as if you will, but I. There's a lot of bad video game movies, so I hope this is interesting. I watched um, IGN had a the director on there like going through the trailer, and he seems like he really likes the franchise. And as long oh. as the fights are cool, that's all I care about. Like, yeah, I don't. I'm not watching this for the plot. I don't play Mortal Kombat games for the plot. So the gore and fighting is the plot essentially for me of of this movie. So if, as long as it like delivers on that, I'll be happy. But I'm very cautiously optimistic. Yeah, I, I will have to concede as well. I, my first thoughts was like, this looks terrible. I'm not going to watch it. And I was like, no, this is actually like, 
like kind of a cool spectacle. Like I'm in it for the fights. And even though I don't think it looks like amazing from the narrative standpoint, like I absolutely will watch this. And I'm kind of excited to get like a visually interesting popcorn flick uh, in the next yeah, few months. Yeah, I've been missing those. <laughs> right? Yeah, this definitely um, from the trailer went from like, I did not care about the Mortal Kombat movie coming out. I was like, I'll probably watch it when it comes out on streaming services or whatever. Now I'm like actually excited to go watch this movie. Just I'm not expecting anything though, more than just dumb action flick that's gonna look cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think for me personally, my expectations going in, like when I knew the trailer was coming out, I was like, oh, this is gonna be so bad. Like, there's no way <laughs> this trailer is gonna sell me on this movie. And then I watched it. And I was like, I'm in. <laughs> I will I will say like the corniest part of the movie is finding out that there's a character I think named Cole who has like yeah. a mole that's the shape of the um Mortal Kombat logo for for yeah, no particular I think reason. In the, trailer, in the trailer they like make it sound like it's a mark, like that he was marked. I've seen some predictions online. I don't know if any of them are true, so I don't know if we want to like dive into that or anything like that, but there's a couple of predictions going on about like what that what his character is or who he is because he's a new character he's not a character oh okay so there's something more going on with okay oh okay i'm more sold he could could be involved in some other way but then again in the trailer i think jack says to him he's like that's not a birthmark cold you were chosen and it seems like it was more of like a maybe he was like branded as a kid or something like that you know what I'm, i'm glad you brought this up because now I'm actually more invested than I thought I was. Because all all the information I knew was that like I don't even remember that in the trailer. I think I was just I, was, I think I was being a hater. So thank you for at least converting me somewhat to, to your end, Dustin. No, I will say with Mortal Kombat, what I really think is interesting is like Johnny Cage is just nowhere to be seen. Yeah. yeah. I saw someone say that in the background of one of the Sonya scenes, there's like a movie or something, or like a still of a movie that's a Johnny Cage movie. So maybe he'll be in the sequel. I kind of love that. Like, they're not like you put Johnny Cage in a movie, and he it come becomes significantly more of a comedy. Mm-hmm. Well, like if you guys have seen the original movies and Mortal Kombat Annihilation, they literally kill him in the first five minutes of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Really? So, yeah, Mortal Kombat Annihilation is a terrible movie, <laughs> and he's also like kind of the main character of the first one. Yeah, he kind of is in a sense. He, yeah, when I think about it, he, like, fights Scorpion in the middle of the woods. He fights Goro. He does, like, a lot of the fighting. Does he really fight Goro, though? Yeah, well, yeah. He does the splits and punches him in the nuts. Spoilers. <laughs> that sounds epic. Oh, my God. It is the dumbest and most <laughs> amazing thing. If you've never seen the original Mortal Kombat, please watch it. It is just... It is... It's a movie, man. It's a product of its time. Was that late it, 80s, I think? It was early 90s. Early 90s, okay. Yeah. I want it like 94 or 95. It's a Paul uh, Paul W.S. Anderson, the guy who did the Resident Evil oh, movies. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I recommend watching it just for like the sheer dumb fun aspect of it. It's not a good movie. I won't, It's definitely not, but definitely check it out if you... It's not, it's not good, but it's fun. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes that's, sometime that's all you need, you know? Yeah, and the uh, I'm trying to remember who the actor is that plays uh, Shang Tsung, but he he was like so um, essentially like immortalized in that character that the character model in Mortal Kombat 11 is based off of him. Mm. Oh. So like that's pretty cool. He was great in the movie as Shang Tsung. Can't remember his name, but he was also in um, he was the grandpa in Johnny Tsunami. 
Oh man, it's been a while since I've seen Johnny. Shang Tsung was the grandpa in Johnny Tsunami. That yep. is his name. His name is Kerry Hiro Tagawa. That's the actor's name. I'm actually, hold my on. Mind's I'm googling been blown this. By, my mind's been blown by this relationship to Johnny Tsunami. <laughs> oh, I was not prepared for that today. This guy. Yes. Yeah. Yep. He's great in that movie. Yeah, I'm looking at the picture of him in Mortal Kombat. Yeah, and then and if you played Mortal Kombat 11, uh, he was like, um, I want to say he was a pre-order bonus, but then the aftermath DLC, he was like the main villain. So like he comes back and the voice or the actor did the voice and everything. It was really cool. That's, oh, that's awesome. Great. Let's move on to our final list here. Uh, final li- item on the list, um, kind of a smaller one, not not so much news here. Um, on the date of recording. February 21st, Alan Rickman would have been 75 years old today. Happy birthday, Alan Rickman. Forever, my Severus Snape. He, what a great actor. Oh, yeah, dude. For sure. And an actor that became an actor so late in his life, too. What was his first role? I actually don't even know this. I I think Die Hard might have been his first role. Hans Gruber? Yeah, let me check real quick, but um, I believe he didn't actually become an actor until the 80s. Let's see. I know IMDb will list their years active. I'm seeing yeah. here Die Hard as his first cinematic role. Yeah. And wow. Hans Gruber, like, that's insane. He's such a good actor for somebody who, I don't think he became an actor until he was in his 40s. How do you just, like, jump into movie acting and like, yeah, I'm just going to start in Die Hard? Yeah, as the villain of like such a cult classic movie. Becomes one of the most legendary characters ever in action movies. Movie. Yeah, yeah. It's um, you definitely have to like sometimes stop for a second and remember just how much he was in after that point. He was in he was so many amazing characters. Yeah. Cause he has um like he has T V series credits before that, but even I think that it looks like it goes back to nineteen seventy eight. So it's hmm. like And he let's see, if he was seventy five and what that would have been Die Hard came out what, thirty thirty six years ago? Stop. No. I'm That's... sorry, it was eighty eight. I mean, which is like thirty years ago at this point, isn't it? Thirty two, thirty three. A little over thirty years ago. Yeah. So he would have been yeah, in his forties. Wow. It's just wow. mind blowing. No, yeah, for <laughs> sure. Think that he's been an actor for so long, like been in things. But yeah, he he's so good in everything. I don't know if you guys have seen Dogma, but that was one of my like yep of like him as an actor from my childhood. That's currently on my watch list on Letterbox, so I haven't seen it yet. But it, yeah, I have to get to it. He's great in that. What is he not great he's, in? Come on, come right. on. I know. I know. Should we get into it? To the topic of the show? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Folks, that is it for Real Roundup. If we missed anything, feel free to shout at us over on Twitter. And if any other big news breaks, stick around because we may just talk about it on our next episode. Normally here we jump into one of our rotating segments, but we've got quite a packed show today. So I figured why not jump straight into our topic of the show. Without further ado, let's look at today's marquee title with The Lord of the Rings the fellowship of the ring um griffin yes do me a favor 
go into the general text channel. Um, sorry, the large popcorn general text channel. And uh, read us the fellowship storyline, if you will. God, you're making me read, making me do things. <laughs> it's like two sentences. <laughs> All right. Uh, the future of civilization rests on the fate of the One Ring, which has been lost for centuries. Powerful forces are unrelenting in their search for it, but fate has placed it in the hands of a young hobbit named Frodo Baggins, who inherits the ring and steps into legend. A daunting task lies ahead for Frodo when he becomes the ring bearer to destroy the One Ring in the fires of Mount Doom, where it was forged. That was beautiful. Thank you. I'm clapping. <laughs> let's let's start with uh, our little history of the franchise. Dustin, you're a big fan. Um, yes. Tell us a little bit about your history with Lord of the Rings. Sure. So, I'm my history with Lord of the Rings does go to the films. Um, I had seen the animated Hobbit, Hobbit movie as a kid mm-hmm. um, by Ralph Bakshi, but I wasn't. I wasn't like, you know, a huge fan of the series other than that until the first movie came out. And it was actually my sister's boyfriend at the time was really into it, into the books. And he kind of got me excited for the movies. So I became such a big fan and I saw the first one with him. And I ended up, I think I ended up seeing the first one like three times in theaters. Wow. Um, And let's see, I was 10 years old when the first one came out. So I saw that three times. And then after that, I saw, I just saw the other two once in theaters. Um, but yeah, I've seen them. I can't even count how many times I've seen the movies. Um, I'm lifelong fan. It's one of my favorite internet or intellectual properties of all time. And I'm such a big fan that my fiance and I are actually doing a Lord of the Rings inspired wedding. We're not doing a themed wedding, but it's just inspired. So we'll have different things off of the menu. Some of our signage for our wedding will actually says, um, uh, no part or no admittance except party business. We have a sign that says that. <laughs> yeah, we're we're very excited for it. That's actually part of like I think one of the reasons we've been together for almost ten years is our love for Lord of the Rings really helped our relationship kind of become what it is. That's awesome, man. I lo- I yeah. love that. Uh, that that that's also really cool. You got to see them in theaters because that's one of the things I didn't get to do. Um, I'm a bit I think I'm a bit younger than you, and like looking back, like this film franchise is. 20 years old this year which which is is insane to me because like these movies like hold up like if they were made five ten years ago you know yeah and the the, uh 4k re-release that they just came out with yes it really adds to that it looks like they were just filmed and it's a lot of movies that are up res to 4k don't look like that like jurassic park in my opinion my favorite movie of all time um the 4k to me does look a little like it's a little grainy Mm-hmm. It doesn't look as good as Lord of the Rings does. Lord of the Rings to me just looks so the 4K like remaster just looks so good. By the way, such a shame that they decided to release the IMAX cut of these movies this year in theaters, like yeah. even with COVID going yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. I saw Yes. At the end of twenty nineteen they had re released all three of the films in a local theater, uh the extended editions in theaters, and they did three different weekends spread out. So my fiance and I actually went and rewatched all the extended editions in theaters. So we finally got to say we've seen the extended editions in theaters as well. Oh, that's so cool. 
yeah it was a blast but sitting there for that long you're like luckily you know where all the spots are to go to the bathroom (laughs) and stuff like that i no intermissions either i wish more movies had intermissions i gotta say it like we should that should just be standardized yes Mm -hmm. i'm gonna love it i'm gonna skip you for a second griffin and i'm gonna go into my history real quick um I watched these cousins, be, or these cousins, these movies because of my cousins. They were huge fans of them, um, and so they had them on DVD. So whenever I was over at my cousin's house, we'd put these movies on, um, and like I instantly loved them. Like I couldn't get enough, and it went so far as like I don't know if you guys remember the GameCube and PS2 games of Lord of the Rings. Oh yeah, we would we we bought them and would just like play them. Like it was fantastic. Um, and so I decided to give the trilogy a proper viewing in my undergrad just to kind of like view it as an adult. Um, loved it even more. And so now I, I rewatch the movies like once every three to four years. I'll get that like itch to like, yeah, let's let's rewatch Lord of the Rings. And we were able to do that um, with you guys. Griffin, you've never seen them. Why? Yeah, I just never had any attachment to Lord of the Rings. Like, these movies came out, like, before I even gave a crap about movies. Because mm-hmm. I am the I am the youngin. Like, Fellowship of the Ring came out three years after I was born. <laughs> like, I was young. I just missed them. And I got fully engrossed in sci-fi and was like, ah, oh, that fantasy stuff. Who cares about that? Which is... Really funny considering, like, I'm a massive fantasy nerd now. <laughs> and it was one of those things of it was just, I never had any bearing to watch it. Didn't even really care about the franchise until um, Shadow of Mordor came out. Oh, and was I was it, like, oh, you play the game? interesting world. Yeah, the video game. Yeah. And I was like, this is an interesting world. And eventually I ended up reading The Hobbit, the book. And I was like, oh, this is neat. Totally forgetting that the movies even existed. <laughs> well, um, and then eventually, like, I knew I was going to watch these movies finally at some point this year. Um, just because I have uh, many, many friends who've been like, how have you never seen Lord of the Rings? It's it's literally become a running bit on uh, Disney Plus Us that I haven't seen Lord of the Rings. I'm so sorry to ruin the bit for you. I have to say. <laughs> I apologize. Honestly, this is a bit worth ruining. Yeah. Um, um, I'm so happy to finally watch these. I understand so many references now, guys. Th- oh, my God. Like, there's so many memes on Twitter, like, every year about Lord of the Rings. And, like, almost all of them are from this movie. I finally understand the one does not simply meme. Yes. Yeah. Good for or you. Gandalf, like, it makes sense now. Yeah. Uh, which Gandalf one, Dustin? The one where he's like shaking his head, the gif where it's like him just. Like, oh my god! Yes, <laughs> I use that all the time. Before we actually get into our thoughts, is here's some quick trivia and some info about the movie. Of course, directed by Peter Jackson. Um, had to give a huge shout out to the director of photography, Andrew Lesney, who like those sweeping shots of New Zealand are fantastic. I love them yeah. so much. Um. Distributed by New Line Cinema, and I, I included the IMDb, IMDb trivia link in the show notes because, like, oh my god, there's so much trivia. So I picked just a few of them that I figured might be kind of cool to talk about, or at least introduce before we get into our, our discussion. Um, Fellowship was nominated for a whopping 13 awards at the 74th Academy Awards. 
winning four of them. Best Cinematography, Best Makeup, Best Original Score, and Best Visual Effects. Um, yeah, of course, the visual effects still hold up today. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. That score, though, is so, so good. Right? That's what I was listening to before uh, you joined the Discord. <laughs> Concerning Hobbits, the song that like plays for the beginning and the Shire and everything like that is like, it literally, I get chills and get emotional just hearing that song. That's like one of like my comfort songs. I think like every time that like yeah. song is playing, I just get su- I feel safe. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's it's totally cool how like each of the areas that they end up in within this movie, which I'm sure we'll talk about the world building of this movie at some point, mm-hmm. um, because it's so damn good. Like everywhere, see sounds different music wise, and it has that right feel. So like you said, like the Shire music felt safe. Yeah, exactly. Until it didn't. And it wasn't. Yeah. It was. That's just so cool that you can do that with music. Well, there's even like moments where like Frodo and Sam like will have like a touching moment, and like I think that score will come back. Like when when Sam is reminding Frodo of like, listen, I'm like with you until the end, and like they'll play that Shire score. I think I'm thinking of yeah. like yeah, towards the end, but yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, avoid sp- future spoilers, right, for Griffin? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. Um. Griffin knows nothing of what is coming. <laughs> uh, moving on, Gandalf bumping his head and uh, bag end in Bilbo's house was real. Um, and he just acted through it. And Peter Jackson loved the take so much, he decided to leave it in the film. So good. Yeah. I love that. There, throughout the series, this isn't a spoiler, but there's a lot of things like that where you're like, you don't even notice that they're they actually happened there's a lot of things like that oh happen. man I, yeah i can think of one for sure that yeah yeah uh-huh uh sean bean is afraid of flying and would rarely take the helicopters to on-site locations so uh in the snowy mountains he would actually hike up the mountain itself two hours before the shoot began already dressed up as boromir which is insane to i me. love I love that visual. I would just imagine you're just, you know, out hiking one day and you just see Sean Bean going by. Walking the set. Yeah, we watched the, there's like the special features on the extended editions and um, we sat through a lot of those and they talked about that. And yeah, he just was like terrified, terrified of flying. So like, it was just so funny. Everybody else would just fly to the top of the mountain and he would just have to hike up. Yeah, supposedly like they could see him as they were going up. They would just say, hey, look, there goes Sean Bean. Yeah. Here's another Gimli who plays the, the dwarf. Um, sorry, John Reese Davies, who is Gimli the dwarf, is actually the tallest of all the actors at six foot one, which is it's pretty ironic. I thought that was a funny one to include. Yeah. I've always thought that was funny as well. That was like the one thing I knew actually going into this uh, into this movie. Oh, nice. Well, I'm like if you've seen Indiana Jones, he's in. Um uh why am i blanking on the name raiders of the lost ark the best indiana you can can, yeah you can see how tall he is in that movie compared to indy like he's just he's such a tall guy Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the last one and there's tons more like please go look at the trivia page or watch videos the last one i have included is vigo mortensen who plays aragorn was the only one who used an actual steel sword and he would keep it with him um throughout the day to stay in character and he had police uh ask him about it numerous times that's hilarious i actually don't think i knew that that's great Ooh, now i'm the expert yep i guess so 
I thought I, I felt like I had a piece of trivia that I was going to bring up and now I cannot remember what it was. And then, uh, the other one I was going to bring up, I see you already have listed in your notes. So I'll wait for that one. Nice. Yeah. And I'm sure if, if you remember it, like it, it might come up or if you remember, just let me just bring it up. Yeah. 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 I, as, as it goes through, I'll, I'll bring up whatever it was that I was thinking of, but I, there's so much trivia for this movie. It's like you said, it's hard to like go over yeah. all of it. Uh, the next, I guess, piece of trivia actually leads us into the movie itself, which is the intro voiceover, was done a few times, um, and they couldn't decide who to go with. Um, Gandalf did a take, and they felt it didn't fit right. Frodo, Elijah Wood, did a, a take himself, um, and they felt like it would, just didn't fit right either. And it wasn't until Kate Blanchett did it that they felt um, was cool because her as an, as an elf... Um, made it feel like she was actually there during the event. So like it, it felt like there was a sense of, of timeliness of history um, if she were the one to introduce us to the world. So I thought that was Yeah, neat. I think it's a perfect choice to have her do it. Let's go into, I guess, the first major scenes, the first major plot point, which is um, the Shire for Bilbo's birthday. Um, so much to talk about here. Where should we begin? I wanted to bring up uh, something real quick because neither of you guys have seen the extended editions, correct? No. Correct. So, so in the, the theatrical cut of the movie, it starts out with that opening sequence where they show the battle thousands of years ago, Sauron, um, leading up to uh, Isildur, you know, losing the ring golem finding it well anyways after that in the theatrical cut there's a whole scene where bilbo is like going over like it's just him in his study writing the book and it basically it's the concerning hobbit scene and it shows the shire and what like the daily life is like in the shire and it's just such a cool way to oh. extend and show more of like what life is like like the day-to-day life is like in the shire so it's like them setting up the party and everything like that and it's just really cool it just adds a little bit of extra to the movie because in this it goes over really fast and then it just jumps to the scene where Frodo is sitting out in the woods when uh, he runs into Gandalf but there's like a whole extra scene in the extended edition that introduces the hobbits you see Sam for the first time there um, and it working in his garden and stuff like that it's really cool that sounds like some like really nice world building that I didn't know I was missing out on yeah and that's what's nice about a lot of the stuff that they add is it's just additional world building Man, I kind of regret not watching the ex- extended cut now. I recommend everybody watches the extended cut and extended cut of these films at least once in their life because you if you watch those and you're like this is too long, I want to go back to the theatrical cut after this, that's perfectly fine, but at least watch them once because for me I have a really hard time going back now. Okay. Duly noted. <laughs> uh, I see you have a quote here written down Dustin which is a wizard is never late, nor is he early. He arrives precisely what he means to. That line to me is just, it's so Gandalf. And I think every time I watch this movie, I'm like, I don't think anybody could have played this role other than Ian McKellen. He just, he is Gandalf for me. And Mm -hmm. like, that really like his first, that's his first Gandalf quote. And I will get into more of his like quotes as this goes on and stuff like that, that are some of my absolute 
he's one of my favorite characters in the whole franchise. So he is certainly the most quotable person in this yep. movie. And he has so many things that are relevant to like his speech. This is kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but he gives a speech mm-hmm. later on in the movie. That's just so like, I, I watched this movie during the pandemic when the pandemic first started as we're recording this during, you know, lockdown and everything. And it just really like, it actually kind of helped me cope with like everything that's going on in the world. Wow. I'll get to it when we get to that part of the movie, but <laughs> I just realized we're already heading into like aspects of the movie. I didn't even ask Griffin. Did you like, yes. did you even like the movie? I did like the movie. Good. Okay. <laughs> yes, I did like it. Um, admittedly, I was like, oh, God, this is going to be corny as crap when I was sitting there listening to, like, the, the opening feel. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, what am I get? What have I gotten myself into? But as soon as you see, as soon as you see Gandalf on that cart, I was like, oh, I'm so in. I am fully into this. Well, that's the thing. Like, it can be corny, and I think sometimes, like, it is to an extent, but, like, they also do a really good job of just, like, grounding the adventure into the movie itself that, like, I buy everything, you know? It's it's funny, yeah. What I consistently had to remind myself was of was we you'd have – I'd have these moments where I'm like, oh, man, that's a trope. Oh, yeah. This started the trope. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. Like, this, is, this is the beginning of that kind of thing, like – and it is done so well. I mentioned it. Like I love the world building of this movie um, more than anything else in the movie. Um, just because it it moves fast. Oh um, yeah. Like it doesn't not slow down in that three hours, and you get a fully realized world. And I am presuming here there's just only more to show. Yeah, that's. I think it only one thing I will say. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 please. I was just going to say one thing about the extended editions is that um, they do add a little bit of time to certain things and like a couple additional scenes that are just setting up world building. But some people I know do find it to make the movie drag a little bit more. So that's why it is nice to watch these movies, the theatrical cut of these movies for your first time, because it's like you're seeing the version of the movie that was intended for the general audience to see. Mm -hmm. And then the extended edition is really just like, man, I really love these movies. I want there to be more of it. So you just get like the additional stuff. That's sometimes, honestly, sometimes it doesn't even like, there's some scenes in the additional, like additional scenes throughout the movies that are just like, that didn't really need to be there. Not Mm -hmm. every scene was like for the better, but. That's a very good differentiation between the two. If you want more of this world, watch the extended. I like yeah. that. Um, to your point about Gandalf too, um, about Ian McKellen, I remember watching these as a kid and thinking like Gandalf, like, not that he was like the bad guy per se, but that he knew about the ring. Like he knew that um, Bilbo possessed the one ring. And it wasn't until I watched it at Undergrad that I, he reali- that I realized that he was only suspicious of it. He didn't know it was the One Ring. Yeah. He just, like, yeah, had his suspicions. So I had to bring that up for my own sake. Um, and yeah, I definitely I- like how he was like, oh, yeah, you definitely have a ring. You definitely <laughs> have this power. And then just the utter fear in his, like, facial expression when he realizes what it is. 
Well, yeah, when Frodo tries to offer it to him and he like completely backs away. Only character to do that. Yeah, and that's that's another one of those moments too where he like it's just the line delivery in his character is so much great or is so great where he's like, Do not tempt me with this power, you know, like and it's just like he's he's so good. He just like eats up every scene he's in. I do want to also mention uh, there's a scene of Bilbo and Gandalf talking at the beginning, and they're talking actually about the events um, of the the original Hobbit, um, which I haven't read the book, but I did watch the Hobbit movies, um, and it reminded me, maybe Dustin, you'll be familiar with this, which is the Misty Mountains Cold song mm-hmm. was one of the best moments of the, the that Hobbit trilogy. Far over the misty mountains cold to dungeons deep and caverns old we must away break of day Um, yeah, and what's funny is that if you watch the uh, original animated Hobbit movie, that song's in there as well, too. Like, it's an actual, like... Oh, okay. Really? Yeah. I, I can't remember if it was in the book itself, but I know it was at least in the original animated movie. We watched... the and It's funny, because the animated movie, like, those Hobbit movies were stretched out into three films, which arguably was a terrible idea. Yeah. Uh, but the animated film was, like, an hour and a half long. Moving on, I also love um, the birthday party specifically because it introduces us to Merry and Pippin, who are stealing the uh, fireworks because they want to they want to launch one of the biggest ones that, that Gandalf has, um, and it scares the uh, the citizens there at the p- birthday party. It's just a just a great scene overall. I love how those fireworks look. Like this movie mm. came out in two thousand one, and those fireworks looked like the, that was CG that was made today. Yeah, yeah. The that's where one of my one of my notes I have in here as well too is the dragon, which is like totally reminiscent of Smaug as well. Like that was I always like that part where he's and then Bilbo's like dragon. There hasn't been a dragon in this part in a thousand years or whatever, <laughs> and it's so funny because you know he. If you know the story of the Hobbit, you know that what sixty years before the events of this film, uh, yeah, the events of the Hobbit take place, and he goes off to you know, the Misty Mountains and deals with a dragon. But I just like that little nudge there, especially because the Hobbit movies weren't. It's it's very interesting to see movies that reference a book or something that happened before them, but that, that the movie itself didn't actually happen. Mm-hmm. Like in the Star Wars, original Star Wars trilogy, there's like things that they mentioned, but there was, the prequels didn't exist. Like there wasn't books for the prequels before the, original came out so like for this when he was making the lord of the rings films there was already the hobbit book so he could reference things from that and it still felt like you know it feels like world building in itself yeah that worked really well and media it's beautiful (laughs) yeah so after at the end of the birthday party um bilbo decides that he is announcing that he is leaving the shire and he puts on the ring and he goes back to his home um, where Gandalf demands um, or asks, I guess, um, Bilbo to give the ring 
to Frodo as as promised, um, and he does, leaving leaving Frodo the ring uh, as Bilbo leaves Bag End. Um, then Gandalf finds out the ring is the One Ring of Power, um, where Frodo then has to leave the Shire with Sam and head to the village of Bree. Um, and so, it, can I, yeah, can go I ahead. Interject real quick with a, a scene from the extended editions. Just Please do. Like, since I'm the one who knows, so after the scene where he like has left the ring and everything, there's actually an entire sequence where uh, Frodo and Sam and Merry and Pippin are all at the um, the Green Dragon bar drinking together, and uh, basically, uh, I'm reading here from um, it's called Movie Censorship is the website. I'm just looking up some of because I have to again. It's been so long since I've or I've watched the extended edition so many more times than I've watched the theatrical cut, so I have to remind myself what scenes aren't in the original movie. Um, but basically, the little synopsis here is Frodo, Sam, and the other two hobbits are sitting in a pub. Some elderly hobbits are talking about strange creatures wandering through the Shire. They suppose a war is coming, but think they will be spared if they keep out of it. They also talk about the strangeness of Bilbo, and so there's kind of a little bit of that as huh. well, too. And like you get a little bit more character set up for... Sam and Mary and Pippin and Mary and Pippin actually are singing the, uh, the green dragon song there that they sing later on. Um, so it's cool. There's like just little setup like that, that kind of, I love that too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah. There's a lot of like little scenes like that. And like a majority of this movie was extended scenes. Um, I want to say like overall, there's only like a handful, handful of added scenes in mm-hmm, this one mm-hmm. compared to the other two films. I, will... I love when movies um, do that. With, like, there's strange beings about, and like as a viewer, you know exactly what they're talking mm-hmm, about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I like will... we get that later with the uh, when they go to the prancing pony. Yeah, yeah, and it's great. <laughs> By the way, those ring wraiths are terrifying. They always scare yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, and it's cool because you don't know, like, you really don't know much about the ring wraiths at this point. So it's like they're setting up that as well too, like. Been, you know, hearing about people in the area, or like they suppose a war is coming, and it's like, yeah, the ring rates are looking for the ring, so it's yeah, it's cool. Yeah, that scene where they first encounter that ring wraith and like on the road and stuff, that very much felt to me like the first time we saw Dementors in yes, Harry Potter. Same, yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Of like foreboding, pure evil, and that is yeah. such a cool thing to just be like. Okay, yeah, we gotta go. We gotta run. Yeah, that scene specifically that you mentioned always always scares me. Doesn't matter what I'm doing, it terrifies me. I turn the lights on in my room after watching that scene. <laughs> I had True my story. I had my little hue lights on. I'll admit. Um, there are two things I want to mention here. One is that uh, Sam mentions to Frodo that he's like, "This is it. One more step, and I'll be the furthest from the Shire I've ever been." Um, and that kind of just like alludes to the grandeur of the journey that these two are about to embark that I love every single time because it's only like the first 15 minutes of the movie. Um, and the second is that poor Frodo just like really thinking that like, yeah, all I have to do is take the ring to the prancing pony and then I'll be done. That's it. And it's just like, no, dude, you've got two and a half hours left. Um, (laughs) two and a half hours and two more movies. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's another additional scene that I'll throw in here uh, because it's it's a part that's in the books that's a little bit more talked about. But when Sam and Frodo are on the road, there's a scene that shows them um, resting for the night. And as they're resting, they hear like 
some noise and see something. So they go to look it out and it's actually um, elves wandering to the, uh, to the Havens of the West, uh, Havens of the West um, of the white or white towers, which is basically them going essentially their version of like heaven where they go to like live forever. And it's huh. in the book, they talk about that where they see the elves walking as well too. And they actually interact with the elves. They talk to the elves, but in this one, they just see them walk by. It's really cool though. Cause they talk about that later on when they go to Rivendale about the elves and it's just cool that they see some elves along the way. And that's a scene that's not in the, the actual cut whatsoever. Griffin. I love having Dustin here. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> I'm learning so much about this. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Frodo and Sam, I have a question. Yes. That you guys can probably answer me. Like, what is like the age difference or status difference here or whatever? Because like, with Sam consistently calling him Mister Frodo. So, uh, Sam actually is like a gardener, and um, he his dad I think was like, I want to say he worked for uh, uh, worked for Bilbo, and like Sam was essentially like an apprentice for him. Like he was kind of like apprenticing to take over the family business. Ah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Mm. So that's why, even in the scene where uh, one of my favorite lines in the entire movie is, uh, or of "I drop, I ain't dropping no eaves," uh, when he gets pulled through the window by Gandalf when he's uh, when he finds out that Sam is out there listening before they go on the journey. Um, oh yes, I was just yeah. cutting the grass by this window. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's like, and he tells him like, you know, the only things he actually heard, but. Um, yeah, that's essentially like alluding to the fact that Sam was just—he's basically a gardener. That, that makes sense. I was I was always curious about that. Yeah, I never knew that. I just thought he was just being like kind. <laughs> so yeah, so I've I've listened or I've been doing the audiobook for um, Fellowship of the Ring recently because I, I admittedly love the movies, but I never read the books because right. there's uh, Tolkien is like notorious for just long drawn out sequences so it's really hard like i've started the book multiple times but never actually made it through but when I, the audiobook has been making it a little bit more digestible and he talks about it in that and like there's also the scene where um gandalf is telling them that they got the information about the ring boba having the ring from Gollum, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and in the books uh Gandalf and Aragorn were actually looking for Gollum and that's how they find uh, Gollum gets captured and that's how they find out or whatever about him knowing. Oh. So there's like a whole section in the book where uh, Aragorn and Gandalf had been like hanging out together trying to find Gollum to like find information on the ring. So it's kind of, it's fascinating. There's so much stuff. <laughs> we're going to get into Aragorn here in just a second, but I also want to yeah. mention, um, I was always glad even as a kid, like Saruman just looked like an evil person. Um, so I'm, I was always glad that like his role as villain was revealed very quickly. Yeah, definitely. Did a little like fun fact for you guys. Did you know that uh, um, Christopher Lee has like, he would reread the books like once a year. Um, like the Lord of the Rings was like one of his favorite properties of mm-hmm. all time. And if uh, Peter Jackson like had any questions or like, uh, Christopher Lee would like correct Peter Jackson on things to like make sure it was right because he's <laughs> such a big fan. He actually met the author of the book. I almost included that in yeah, the trivia, so, but yeah, it's so cool. Good. The there was another piece of trivia that I wanted to bring up earlier when we were just talking about it, and I wanted to bring it up now. Um, 
just real quick, it's like I can make this the Spark Notes version, but Peter Jackson had a really hard time getting these movies made because people didn't want to um, fund more than one movie. And wow. there was he was trying to make them only two movies just to get them sold. And he was having a really hard time doing that. And he went to New Line with that idea. And they're like, yeah, like we like this, but we're, we can't work with this. And he's kind of like, oh, no, like you have to make this three movies. And they funded all three of the movies up front. So he, that's why he was able to film all three movies together at once. That's insane. I, I can't yeah. imagine like not having this trilogy in yeah. like pop culture. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that it would only been two movies and he would have had to cut out so much stuff but of the three books by putting it into two movies and they were, they gave him the green light to do three. You've got such a journey ahead of you, Griffin. <laughs> I'm nothing but excited. I honestly am considering pulling out the books. Wow. But that's also just because I'm a big old book nerd. So. So let's move on here in the in the narrative. We're at the Prancing Pony. Uh, of course, Gandalf isn't there because he's being held by Saruman. Um, where we meet Strider slash Aragorn. By the way, what a cool nickname Strider is. Strider. I, I got to say, yeah. Uh, I like that nickname a lot. Yeah. Strider sounds like the kind of name that I'd name my, like, my player character in Pokemon because I wanted it to sound cooler than I actually was. Yeah. Me too. Um, Vigo Mortensen, who plays... Uh, strider in this is he's perfect but he wasn't even originally like an, a choice for the role oh who was do you know um i'd have to look it up but uh he like i want to say he was one of the last people actually cast i feel like there was a few other options um i'd have to I, i'll i'll reach it research that and get back to you guys on that one but yeah he wasn't the first choice to play aragorn but i can't picture anybody else playing him at this point after like Griffin, once you've seen all three movies, you'll know what I mean. Like, he's perfect for that role. I mean, I already think he's perfect in the role in yeah, the first one. So. But just, like, it's hard enough to spoil things mm -hmm. for you, like the character moments that he has to go through. And I just think that Vigo does such a great job in that. I'm like, doing those. I'm reminded of another piece of trivia about Vigo that I, re I read today, which is um, one that he was trilingual. Um, so he actually talked to Peter Jackson about including more Elvish lines for himself because he's like, I can do this. And I think it would, it would just like help with the overall like atmosphere of the film. And Peter Jackson agreed. So that's why he has so many Elvish lines in the film. Yeah. It's, I remember reading something about that as well too. And it's so cool because like, he just says so much. Um, I did find out who the original the original choice was um, they wanted Stuart Townsend who played the main character and queen of the damned. If you guys have ever mm. seen queen of the damned. Mm. Um, and he was also in league of extraordinary gentlemen. He was their first choice. Dustin, I got to say, pretty, go ahead. I'm pretty sure he's a shitty guy in real life. Like uh, <laughs> I think I've heard that he's not like the best guy. So I'm kind of glad it wasn't him. Yeah. I can't imagine anyone else in the role. Although when you said Stuart, I thought you were going to say Stuart little. And now I'm curious <laughs> as to what that movie would look like. <laughs> It would it would just basically be uh, Redwall, I think, is the name of the property, which is like mm -hmm. a, a medieval mouse. Thing. Yeah, I don't know. I, that would be funny. <laughs> um, so in what the a weird visual, right? Um, so in the prancing pony, Aragorn helps uh, our hobbits evade the ring wraiths. They head to Rivendell after Frodo is wounded by one of them. Pretty pretty ballsy move for like the first thirty minutes to to be more like basically mortally wounded just like yeah we're gonna we're gonna fake you out right at the beginning by almost killing the main character 
and then later we're gonna kill two main characters. Ah, stop, I man! Mean, I'm still hurting from that. Yeah, I I do like though that this is so originally in the books as well. It was a different character that shows up to take him to Rivendale, um, but. I think they just said that it's such a good way to set up Arwen because yep. in the books doesn't really get to do that much in the first book. And I'm glad it was her. I think it was a, a great choice to have her because she's a great character that was just kind of, she need like she needed more stuff to do in my opinion. By the way, sure. people hate on Liv Tyler, but I, I love her in as Arwen. Yeah. I, I think, think she's, she's great. great. Yeah. I've never understood why she gets so much hate. I mean, uh, side note too, like this is totally off topic, but if you've never seen the show The Leftovers, she's in that and she's excellent mm-hmm. in that show. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh, I actually I skipped an important moment in the Prancing Pony, which is when Frodo puts on the ring for the first time by accident. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's how the race find him. Yeah. Yeah, the Baggins, I know a Baggins. <laughs> like he just totally is like, no, you're not supposed to tell people that he's here. Like, it's like the exact thing that you're not supposed to be doing. <laughs> They just oh. set up Pippin as such the the goof in this movie, and it's great. Pippin is the dumb one. Well, I mean, we're skipping ahead a little bit, but when he's in the mines and he drops the uh, like yeah. the armor down the well, it's, oh, what a, yeah. it gives me anxiety. Pippin, <laughs> Would you believe me if I told you that every time I play D&D, my character is essentially Pippin? Uh, that's funny. Uh, let's just accidentally <laughs> screw everything up. Not yeah. trying to, oh. I just don't think. That's, That's awesome. Really I I will say that all my experiences with D and D have been inspired by like how much I love this trilogy as a franchise. I don't I think I would have wanted a Lord of the Rings uh, campaign. That'd be awesome. That sounds yeah. really fun. Where are we in the plot here? Uh, Arwen. Yeah. Yes, Arwen, Arwen uh, takes us to to Rivendell, where Elrond then. Um, cures Frodo. Is that correct? Does Elrond himself cure Frodo? Um, I don't know if it was him exactly or if it was just, you know, the elves in general. Like, Yeah, I can't remember who it was. You know, I can't remember if they exactly say, because basically what happens is like, you know, there's the scene where she creates the the wall of horses and then um, right after that, Frodo like essentially like hyperventilates, and then it go it kind of just fades to like darkness, and then it just once we pick back up, it's like him. It does that quick scene where it, like shows everybody else talking to him real fast before he like actually wakes up and talks to Gandalf. Mm. So I don't know if they actually say who who it is that healed him. If it was one specific person or just the elves. I do love the magic in this as well. When when yeah. Arwen casts yeah that that river of horses that's. It's, so awesome. If you want him, come and claim him is like one of my favorite lines. It's so good. So sh- shortly after Frodo is healed, Elrond calls a council to determine who will deliver the ring to Mount Doom. Um, and the motley crew of the heroes start fighting amongst, himself, amongst themselves um, before Frodo gets up and says he'll do it. Um, it's then that the fellowship is established with Frodo, Sam, Merry, Pippin, Gandalf, Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, and Boromir uh, are our nine heroes. And he says the title. You guys are the yep. Fellowship of the Ring. Such a cool moment. I totally did the thing of, like, you said the thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you gave me it. Griffin, when you watched this, did you watch this on a streaming, like a streaming service? Or did you, like, watch it? I watched it through HBO Max, yeah. Yep. Okay. 
So in the original versions, that's where the split is for um, to switch the disc or switch the VHS or anything like that is right oh, after. Oh, that is so oh, good. It's, the it's hype. Right where, it's right where Pippin, or uh, yeah, Pippin says, uh, right, where are we going? And then it just cuts to, like, it fades to black there, and that's when he put in the next. That is where I paused the movie to go yeah, to the bathroom and stuff, that's too. That's the spot where it splits. And it splits, I'm pretty sure, on both the theatrical and the ex- uh, extended editions, which isn't the same for all of the other movies. Like, the other movies will have different spots that they split. It's not really necessary to the plot, but it's just, like, I always thought that that was a great spot to split it because you just I... get that big, like, reveal of the the fellowship well it is totally like a tv show cliffhanger yes. style thing. exactly <laughs> and it's a it's a great spot to be like okay cool i need to go to the bathroom maybe i want to go grab another snack and come back and i'll finish the rest of this movie and it's like yeah you're definitely gonna come back and finish it after that moment. <laughs> yeah exactly um i love this i love this scene though i love how frodo's like super freaking quiet in all of this like yeah i got it but i guess i'll do it <laughs> Yeah, that's what's so compelling There's... is that he doesn't want to do, it, but he knows he has to be the one to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like, I love this scene because I love getting to meet the characters as well, um, and getting introduced to all of them. And like, you kind of see a little bit of uh, Gimli not Gimli and Legolas not liking each other because dwarves and elves just naturally don't like each other, mm-hmm. which was really cool. Um, but also, I'm you know uh, you notice in this scene that there's other dwarves other than Gimli but then as the movie goes on you don't really see any other ones and it's kind of just cool that you get to see more dwarves in that scene because for the rest of the movie they meet up with elves and stuff but they don't meet up with dwarves they yeah when they go when they go to Moria there's no other dwarves there so it's cool to see additional dwarves other than just Gimli I will say that as a kid I really wanted to be as cool as Orlando Bloom looked as Legolas like oh my god seriously he was my favorite character as a kid just because of how cool he looked. It's it's the bow for me that's so awesome. Yeah. 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 So this is very much a this is my first time thing. It's weird to me to not see Orlando Bloom as Will Turner. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's crazy because he did this before Pirates of the Caribbean. So. Yeah, yeah, I know. But like seeing him with the, with the blonde hair totally yeah. threw me off. Yep. But now I kind of love it. Yeah. He he I think one of the reasons why he might have been my favorite characters too is because uh, The Legend of Zelda is my favorite game series and he just reminds me of Link. Happy 35th anniversary today as well. Happy 35th anniversary, yep. Nice. I do that. I got to say that one of the reasons why my cousins love this movie, one in particular, was because she thought Orlando Bloom was so hot and was like, yeah, like he's in this like, and it's a cool movie, so let's watch it. Fair? Fair, yeah. So now we're moving on to the mines of Moria. Um, actually, well, we're uh, drudging through the mountains first before um, Saruman casts a spell. Um, that's right. It's Saruman who casts a spell and he's yeah, like blocking yeah, the way he, for the crew. And uh, Gandalf tries to essentially stop it so they can keep going that way because he doesn't want to go through Moria. Like, he he knows that there's something wrong with Moria, which is, like, a little bit of foreshadowing for what we get coming up. Um, another thing I wanted to touch on that I realized we totally skipped over and I didn't get to bring it up um, is the fight between um, uh, Gandalf and Saruman in Saruman's tower. And when, oh, yes. 
because he never when they show up at the prancing pony uh gandalf's not there they were there to meet gandalf and strider is there and you know strider who becomes aragorn um and so they the reason i wanted to bring it up is because it introduces the eagles and that is like such Mm -hmm. a such an iconic part is them introducing the eagles to the story um there's also a few scenes that we didn't really um, get to talk about as well, too, that I wanted to go back to. And one no, of yeah, them please do. Just, one of them was just when uh, they're at Rivendale. I can't remember how much of it they show in the original cut, so forgive me if this is actually in the original. But there's the scene. There's a scene where uh, Boromir is essentially walking around, and he sees the sword that uh a sealed or sword that cut the ring from uh that is that is that is in the original yeah that was that was a moment yeah so um they just basically the only thing that's like different about it is they and like they extend some of it and so aragorn is there and he talks to him he talks to boromir a little bit more about that and they're both like very cautious of each other i think that they know that there's like something Mm -hmm. you know each character is a little bit suspicious as uh, I, I don't want to give it into spoilers, so I'll, I'll leave it there. But I like that scene a lot. Um, so I wanted to bring that up as well. And then a little bit earlier, when Frodo does get stabbed, I don't... Is it in the theatrical version where they show the trolls frozen? Oh, I almost... I don't think I so. I don't remember. Yeah. So there's a part where Sam is... Or when Frodo's, like, essentially dying from being poisoned and... Uh, they're like sitting there trying to find herbs to help him. And as, as they're standing there, like up above them in the extended edition, there's like three frozen trolls. And uh, Sam says, look, Mr. Frodo, it's Bilbo's trolls from his stories. Cause it's the trolls from the Hobbit that try to eat um, the traveling part. Oh, frozen. So it's really cool, cool that they, sh- they have that little scene in there. Sorry. Those are like just a couple of the things I realized we glanced over that I wanted to go back to. No, I mean, there's well, like, mentioned- go ahead. I would say with what you mentioned, like with, I also just want to quickly go back to the Arwen scene of just to sh- save how cool the water looks. Yeah. Like it's the so cool. the horses in the water. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. There's so many beautiful shots. And I think one of the things that this movie, it like, um, really like excels at. And the reason why these movies age so well is the filming on location. Like even just looking at, it looks like you're, the, the world itself looks real, but it doesn't look like Earth if that makes sense like when they're in rivendale like it looks so cool and that's like a set that they built in the real world like at a real place yeah and you're like how does this exist and it's just so cool i know i love the shots peter jackson i think has bagged end in uh in storage like it's his like that's like that's really cool when they when they finished lord of the rings um they took down everything that they had um like they had that area where they built the Shire and for the Hobbit, when they went to make those movies, they had to rebuild the set and this, they just left it there. Now it's a tourist attraction. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's, it's so cool. I love the, the shots and this will lead right into the next part we were talking about with Moria, but the scene with the, the, um, the fellowship traveling through and there's, uh, they show like them walking through like snowy mountains and stuff like that. And like, there's the scene, uh, it's in the theatrical as well, too, where Frodo drops the scene and Boromir picks it up, right? Drop, drops the what? The ring? He, 
Frodo drops the ring and Boromir picks it up. Is that in the, yep. the theatrical? Oh, part? yeah. Okay. Yes. So what, he falls in the snow. Yeah, that's one I didn't want to skip over because it's that's foreshadowing again of like yep. is Boromir being tempted by the ring. Boromir quickly became one of my favorite characters in this yeah, movie he, because of how conflicted he is. I did not like Boromir at all as a kid, and I thought he was like the worst character. But as I got older, you like really sympathize with him. Yeah, I guess one moment we should probably go back to real quick is when um, Aragorn, his character is revealed to be the the heir to the throne, and Boromir is like. No, I don't. I don't consider you an heir. Okay, so that that was what I was trying to remember. Was there's that scene there where uh, they're talking about the sword, and I'm pretty sure that it's mentioned there that he's like he's like you're uh, you're the last or you're the heir of um, Isildur or whatever. Like, and I just feel like it's cool that they talk about that stuff. And like, mm-hmm. there's so much setup in these movies that if like you don't know what's coming next. And that's why I'm kind of jealous of Griffin watching these for the first time. There's just so much cool setup where like the world building is so cool. And that's why the fellowship is like, I go back and forth between the fellowship and return of the King being my favorite Lord of the Rings movie. And part yeah, of the reason you. why is because this movie, the set, the world building is so good. To to that point, I think I, I agree. I think like um, normally in like, like fantasy setting, it's kind of like, tough to engage with the material or, or to kind of follow along but for whatever reason like i'm never confused as to like wait who is he the heir to again or who was that character like it, it just for whatever reason it just clicks i, I don't know why that is have, yeah and they don't have to beat you over the head with exposition mm-hmm. yeah, yeah the hard thing for me in movies yeah. is always remembering characters like because i always <laughs> mix up character names what they are who they are but like every single character after one watch of this is like firmly in my head of this is who they are. This is what their thing is. This yeah. is their name. It's always great when you have a, like a traveling party in any medium that you can just like, you're like, okay, I really like you. And like, you get to know your, it's like the mass effects trilogy. Like, you know, I was like, Oh, I haven't played that yet. I can't wait next yeah. month. Yeah. For, well, for me, I played them as they came out and it's just like, I knew all the characters names. I was like, Oh yeah, this person, this person, you know, like, mm-hmm. just like, you but I mean, like, when to their credit, like, this is not a small traveling party. This is nine yeah. people. Nine yeah. people you have to care about. So supposedly, Peter Jackson got a tattoo um, after this movie wrapped, or I guess the trilogy wrapped, um, of the number 10. Because um, he was commonly referred to as, like, the the 10th member of the party. Ah, so that was kind of cool. All of the cast got, like, matching tattoos. Yep, they got the sure. number 9, so he got 10. Yeah. Yeah. Really. That's fine. That's awesome. Um, by the way, like as as we move forward, just because there's like so many like stuff in there, feel free to stop me yeah. at any point if I like glance oh, over yeah, something. Totally. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm also I'm also you know trying not to make it too long because there is so many <laughs> yeah like, things to bring up. <laughs> but I have like a few more that are like coming up soon that I'm like, all right, I know there's spots I want to mention things, but yeah, I totally. So I, I do love the hike up the mountain. Like those shots are like some of my favorite, especially when they move up in the snow. Like it, I feel tired you just the watching. Theme too. Yes, yes. Bah, 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 bah. Yeah, it's so good. Like, and then like Gandalf mentions that they have a forty day journey ahead of them. That's like just insane to me. Uh, the yeah, books like three weeks. Yeah, to get through well, the, the books. Mm-hmm. In the books, the total. Uh, 
travel time for like the events of the three um the three's books is 10 years so oh my god yeah they cut it down for this but it was a 10-year journey just so they man that just makes that sign up fellowship creation scene (laughs) so much more impactful yeah the the book itself like the time that frodo gets the ring from bilbo to when he actually goes on the journey, I believe, was 20 years. Hmm. There's like a 20-year gap. That. Wow. That. Yeah. It's fascinating. That kind of changes the way I look at that party. Right. <laughs> um, so Gandalf, um, at, at like um, a fork in the road, says to Frodo, or says to the gang, let's let the ring bearer decide. Not even referring to him at... Uh, by name but let's let the ring bear decide kind of distancing himself a little bit from from frodo and frodo says let's go into the mines of moria where unfortunately there they discover that uh the dwarves have been slain um to to a fight with the orcs and also with the ancient demon of fire and shadow that fight scene is incredible and it still holds up so well yeah um yeah, and then there's like the scene before this as well too, where they introduce the like the kraken type like squid creature. Oh yeah, because because when they go into the mines, they see that the doors are dead, so they basically are going they they're trying to leave the mines. Um, but pip, I believe, but yeah, pipping through like, the rock in the water, huh? Yeah, and there's also the scene as well too, like this part's kind of. Um, a little bit longer because when they get there the door is closed and they don't know how to get in yep and so gandalf is trying to figure out how to get in and it's revealed that it's just literally the elvish word for friend is how you open the door but yeah the the uh, riddle quote-unquote was like speak friend yeah. and or something yeah, speak yeah. friend and enter and it's literally just elvish for friend uh so i like this scene i love the balrog scene um a couple moments that i wanted to bring up before that was one of those uh infamous like gandalf speeches um, when Gandalf gets lost, when they're trying to go through the uh, the mines themselves, and he can't remember where to go, and this is where they uh, introduce Gollum for the first time. Uh, he they see uh, Frodo notices that they're being followed, and um, Gandalf essentially gives him a little bit of backstory of who the character is, and oh, Frodo, yeah. Frodo brings up that uh, he wished Bilbo would have killed him and like he wished he would have never taken the ring and everything like that. And the line, like when pandemic started and watching this movie again and this line where he said, um, cause he said, I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had ever happened. And Gandalf says, so do all who live to see such times, but it's not for us to decide. Uh, uh, it's not for us to decide what to do or what we do, but for us to decide, like, it's like something like, for us to decide what we do at the time we're given. And it's like, it was so relevant for Mm. like this time, because when you're feeling like hopeless and like, so down being like, everybody kind of just went through the depression of not being able to go see their friends or family and everything like that. And it's just like, you're in that boat where you're like, you feel like you wish you weren't seeing this time, but really like you should kind of appreciate what you have. Like I know for me, for a fact, when pandemic's over and I can go see people, I'm going to cherish those moments so much more now. And I think that's kind of like that message of like, sure, you, you don't want to be here now, but like this moment means so much more in the grand scheme of things. And it's just, 
it's one of my favorite lines again gandalf just kills it and like all of his speeches he gives there are so many yeah. moments where you can like take mo- like little quotes like that and like yeah oh, so many of these mean so much yeah yeah up and uh, a lot of these resonate up until that scene i didn't like frodo really uh, yeah no it, it's that's totally understandable I was like, I was consistently getting annoyed by how much he just complained about the freaking ring. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I get, I looking back, I was like, okay, actually, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But uh, you see the actual like character growth in Frodo after Gandalf gives him that spiel. Yeah. And it's just like, it's, it's such a good character development moment. I think for, uh, for Frodo too, because like you're saying, he just, after that he's like oh you're right like this isn't about me like this is mm-hmm. about everybody like i'm i'm not doing this for myself i'm doing this for everyone and everybody that's here with me right now like they decided to take this journey with me not for themselves like not for selfish reasons but to save the world and it's yeah. just like yeah it's a big moment growing moment for him and like frodo uh, would not fracture the uh the fellowship at the end like they end up like he ends up doing if he hadn't gotten that speech exactly because he knows what he has to do uh the only other part i wanted to go back to then real quick would be just uh that when frodo is in rivendale he does see bobo again and yes. Bobo gives him the mithril uh the mithril armor which is an important scene and sting and- his sword that blow glows yes. blue when uh um orcs are, or goblins are around you beat me to it Dustin. i was about to bring up these those two uh exactly so thank you those two parts are really important to the next part i think we're gonna talk yeah about i was about to bring it yeah. up yeah <laughs> where he gets stabbed again dude i to be honest when i gave this a rewatch just uh the other day on friday i forgot that like he, he at some point put the armor the chainmail on so i was like oh my god yeah. did he get stabbed again did i forget this <laughs> yeah i love that they do that they like totally try to do another one of like oh man frodo really you just got stabbed twice (laughs) i I gotta say the hobbits hold their own like better than um than i remember like they're they get down just as well as uh any of the other guys well they're also like being trained throughout the time that is true yeah and they also have the swords that uh didn't uh aragorn give them swords as well too right Yes. Earlier. Yep. Yeah. Because I think there was a scene of them training with Aragorn. Yeah. The uh, the fight on Weathertop, which we didn't, we skipped over that as well too. I think was like one of Viggo Mortensen's first scenes he filmed, um, where he's like doing all the sword stuff, and I think he did all of that himself. And it was like, I think he'd only been on the movie for like three weeks at that point. So it's super cool because that fight scene is so cool where he fights the Nazgul on top of the mountain. This reminded me that um, Orlando Bloom um, was offered the role um, on his uh, second to last day of, um, I think it was a, of drama school? Just or so some crazy. kind of acting school? Yeah, yeah. This is his first movie, isn't it? Like, Lord of the Rings was his breakout role before Pirates of the Caribbean. I, I, I think, think so. Yeah, so crazy. Let's see here. Oh, and then, of course, there's the iconic moment. Um when they're when they're all being chased um and gandalf stops on the bridge um turns towards the demon and yells you shall not pass so glad griffin finally got to see this moment 
Yeah, I'm, seriously. I was so happy seeing this. I was like, I finally understand. <laughs> and it's it's another one of those moments that just gives me chills every single time. It lives up to the hype, man. Yeah. Do you guys remember that uh, scene in the first Avengers when Captain America is like, I understood that reference. Was that yes. was that Griffin this entire this entire movie? Oh yeah, that was pretty much me the entire movie. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah, that. <laughs> I will I will say one thing though, because we talked earlier about how the CG holds up. Uh, the Balrog looks fantastic, but the first troll that they fight um, never really aged well. And I think you guys, dumb. yeah, he looks a little bit better now, especially after the 4K re-release, because Peter Jackson went back and kind of he didn't. No. He didn't update the CG in any way. What he did was he edited it, edited it to make everything fit into the world better. So when you rewatch it now, it's like at least the cave troll fits into the world a little bit better and it's not as jarring. So Interesting. Yeah. Because yeah, I thought it looked good on, on the cut that I watched. Really? I've always thought the cave troll was just like the goofiest part. Like I think all the CG in the rest of the films holds up way better, but that was just like that he's like the one part of this movie that I mean, is always like I think part of it has to be like suspension of disbelief. Like I know that this movie yeah. is like twenty years old, so I'm just like buying into whatever is on screen. No, totally. Again, it as someone who's seen these movies so many times, it like doesn't really mm-hmm. bother me, but it's just one of the only few parts where I notice the CG is like aged. Yeah, honestly, I didn't even notice it, but I think that's m- mostly just because from playing Shadow of Mordor, like, every single troll looks like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true, because they are based off of the movie versions of things. Another small tidbit of trivia. In the, of course, in the original cut of the film, uh, Gandalf says, uh, over the bridge, fly, and then later, fly, you fools. The theatrical cut uh, changed it to uh, run, you fools, and then... Uh, I think in the HBO Max version as well, they changed that scene to the original cut, which is back to fly, you fools, which just means to run. Yeah, and again, I've seen the theater, or I've seen the um, extended edition of these movies so many times that I didn't even remember there was ever a time where he didn't say fly, you fools. I know, right? Because I, like I said, I saw all three of these in theaters, and so I would have seen the version where he would have said that, but I didn't. I did not know that. <laughs> So after this part, I think, um, after like a huge battle, this part always kind of like gets fuzzy in my memory, which is when we enter the woods of Lothrian. Um, yeah. But oh my God, like watching this in the dark on my 4K TV, like when it's like nighttime and like the woods are like glowing blue, looks so yeah. amazing. Oh my God. This was the moment of the movie where I really like finally realized of like just how much world building is actually in this movie. Cause they're not in this area for that long. Yeah. Like they do not interact with the lady of the wood for that long. Like 10, but 15 so minutes max established from it. Yeah. So there's, this is another one of the uh, bigger scenes with the extended parts. Um, so this scene does definitely run a little bit longer in the extended one. And like in the theatrical cut, do they have the elves singing for Gandalf? I don't remember this in the, the cut so that I watched. There's the scene where it kind of just shows them like hanging out a little bit more at night and um, Lothlorien and the el- they hear something and they're like, what are they singing about? And they're, it's basically like they're singing in remembrance of Gandalf passing. Um, 
And then after this scene, they also, there's an entire section where it shows the uh, uh, Gladriel giving all of the fellowship different gifts, gifts, and they go through what they all got from her. Is that in the theatrical cut? No. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Okay, so in the extended edition, they show them all getting things. They show uh, Legolas gets a new bow, and it's the bow that he has the rest of the movie, the rest of the trilogy. Um, the uh, Hobbits get, I think, two of the Hobbits, Merry and Pippin, I believe they both get knives from her. Like, they get, like, elvish or elven knives, and she gives Sam a uh, elven rope, and he makes this, like little quip about like do you have any more of those knives or whatever she just kind of laughs it off um frodo is given the light of arendelle arendelle i think which mm-hmm. is like a a fallen star and it's basically she tells him that uh if you ever find yourself in a dark place this will light your way and it's essentially like actual like the essence of a star inside of this little glass bottle oh that's awesome and, uh, uh, Ar- she tells Aragorn, I have nothing, or I can't remember what she gives Boromir. Unfortunately, I forgot. But she tells Aragorn, unfortunately, I have nothing else to give you uh, either, like that's better than what you got. And she essentially alludes to, uh, maybe that's the, it's the necklace that he gets from um, Arwen when he, mm-hmm. before he leaves. Uh, and she references that. And there's a scene a little bit later uh with Gimli and it shows what he got and he just got like three of her hairs. Like he just asked her for like, uh, he's like locks of hair. Yeah. He, he essentially says that he, she's like, asked him what he wants. And he says that, uh, he just wants, um, like a strand of her beautiful hair or something like that. She gives him three. And it's just this funny little moment between him and Legolas. (laughs) That's awesome. That's cute. There's the, Griffin, the reason I bring that up, too, is because in the next two movies, uh, a couple of those things are actually, like, you. Yeah, so you, like, see how they get them. Man, I, I, cool. we probably should have mentioned, too, that um, the relationship between Arwen and Aragorn. Yeah, that is that is a very important part as well, too. Very, very clear sexual tension. Well, I think they have, like, some kind of ongoing relationship. I'm not sure. Like maybe I know, yeah, I don't know. What it is. So Ar- Aragorn was a, essentially raised like with the elves, and so him and Arwen basically fell in love um, during that time. And she, her father, who is, uh, I don't think we ever went over that. Arwen is from the, the Matrix. Of, yeah, is the daughter of. Um, oh, why am I blanking on his name right now? Mr. Smith. Uh, Elrond. Elrond, yes. yes. <laughs> um, and so Elrond wants Arwen essentially to like go with the other elves and leave this realm. The time of elves is ended, blah, 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 all that. But she's so in love with uh, she's so in love with Aragorn that she would is willing to give up her, her immortality to live a mortal life with him. So that's kind of like so beautiful. Yeah. Um, where are we at? Oh, Frodo, we're, we're, we're in Lothrian. Frodo looks into the mirror of Galadriel and sees the eye of Sauron um, and the dark road that lies before him. And I think at one point he also offers the uh, the ring to... Oh, I'm blinking on her name. Galadriel. 
Yeah, I just said the name. Yes, thank you. Um, where then she she passes the test um, by by ref- by eventually refusing to take the ring. And and that scene that I talked about where she gives them all the gifts is actually right after the scene. I apologize. I forgot to. That was totally fine. You're you're good. You know you still know <laughs> stuff better than I do. <laughs> You should see me, by the way. I've like I have my hands just like underneath my chin. I'm just like <laughs> smiling, just listening to Dustin drop all this knowledge. Like I said, you guys have to at least watch the extended editions once. It's so worth it for all these little things. I kind of regret not watching the the the. It just gives you more extended. motivation now to go watch them. No, for sure. Yeah. Going yeah. back to that Lady of the Woods scene, really quick. I want the um that moment when she is like offered the ring and she goes like all magic y dark elf yeah. almost weird it was that was like one of those mo- one of the moments that was like legitimately scary in this movie for for me as a kid one of the moments for sure was the scene where uh uh frodo's talking to bilbo and he oh like, yeah ring or whatever and he like yes. has the weird like like hissing and like he, his face gets all gross and turns like evil looking for a second. He essentially becomes Gollum. Exactly. Yeah, that's what they're alluding to is that the ring is essentially poisoned him enough to where. I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I I know that scene is like coming every time, and I always watch these movies with headphones, and it still gets me. <laughs> like <laughs> I jump. I'm like ah. Oh Ooh. boy. After this, the fellowship traveled down the river um, where then Frodo decides to go off alone. Um, and right before this, um, just like how amazing the visuals look here um, of the uh, the statue of the king. Yes, I love it. Just a gorgeous shot. Yep. And I think it, it was Boromir who was like, I never thought I'd see this with my own eyes. Is that, is that you guys I remember think, that? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. What's that? Can you repeat that one more time? I'm sorry. It cut out for a second for me. Oh, uh, where Boromir, I think, was like, I never thought I would get to see this uh, with my own eyes. Yeah. I, I just love that. For for no like no particular reason, It other than it just yeah. feels like an epic moment. It's as like, for him, I think it's such a big moment because he's, you know, his uh, family is essentially the stewards of Gondor because there is no kings ever mm-hmm. since uh, Asildor's time. And so... For him, like, getting to see the kings that he, like, he's, like, sworn to protect this realm in honor of these kings. So, for him, it's, like, such a big moment. The last thing I have written down, I'm just going to read it as one big plot point, and then we can discuss this, like, final, these final moments. Um, Boromir tries to take the ring from Frodo. Um, the, uh, Frodo puts on the ring and escapes. The orcs show up and fight our heroes. Merry and Pippin are subsequently taken by the orcs. Boromir, unfortunately, perishes. Frodo and Sam go off alone. Gimli, Legolas, and Aragorn go to save the hobbits. Um, lots to say in this, like, final battle here of the first yeah, movie. Yeah, and I'll, I'll go back. I'll, like, we'll, we can go back to that, but one of my things that I really want to talk about is, like, I wanted to ask you this real quick, Griffin. How did it, like when you watch this movie for the first time and the way it ends where they're all split up, but it's like so hype of them being like, we need to get Mary and Pippin. And then like, yes, Frodo and Sam leaving. It just like, it sets up this like moment where I'm like, dude, I want to watch 
Two Towers immediately. Yeah, like, it really made me want to watch Jump Into Two Towers. Yeah, it's just the setup is so perfect for splitting up the characters. And, like, you understand why the characters are splitting up. Like, it doesn't feel forced. It's, it's really, well, like, you know, like, it was very much a choice. Like, the moment with Aragorn and uh, Frodo there, I think it's Aragorn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, when he's like, I get it. Go. I'll handle yeah. things here. So, so well done. It, and actually feels like, yeah, that, that is what logically would happen here. That's the, these are the decisions this character should be making. Yeah. I love Aragorn I so like, much. I love cheered when Boromir died, but that's just because I like watching Sean Bean die. <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> he just, look, every you time monster. he dies, is is entertaining to me because, you know, he is the die guy. He doesn't Otherwise, have it would attract him for death. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's just, it's got that underlining of Sean Bean that... When he dies, there's always just a tiny little bit of comedy in it for me. Um, but come on, man. That scene when he's like, when he finally like looks at Aragorn and like grabs his sword and like pledges almost his allegiance to him as he's dying. Like, how beautiful is that? That was amazing. Honestly, I did not expect Boromir to die this quickly. Yeah. Um, I figured given that he was Sean Bean, he would die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But no, it's I figured always, that would be like a second movie thing, like you know, crux of like the middle. No, it's, it's so crazy to me because he dies so early in this trilogy, like you're saying, and then you watch the second and third one, and you kind of just forget about the fact that like there was an additional par- person in this party. And then so when you go back and rewatch Fellowship later, you're like, oh right, Boromir. Like, duh, like Boromir's in this movie, and like he's a great character. But it's just like because you have so much of the trilogy without Boromir, you kind of even forget that yeah. he was um was even around uh there's a couple of little moments as well too that are extended even in that scene leading up to them getting there before they like before boromir talks to or like tracks frodo down and frodo puts on the ring do Um, tell there's an entire section after the like right around the same time that they're getting the gifts where uh caliborn who's like one of the um elves that is with Galadriel tells Aragorn that the orcs are tracking the fellowship. Um, so they know that like they're after them and then she gives the gifts or whatever to them. And as they go down the river a little bit, they make a stop and Boromir notices a log floating in the water with Gollum hanging onto it. Oh. Um, and Aragorn tells him that they, he's been tracking them since more or since Moria. So like, that's kind of cool. And then there's another little moment that sets up some tension between Aragorn and uh, Boromir where Boromir rec- or like is basically trying to persuade them all to go through Minas Tirith, which is mm-hmm. basically where um, Gondor is, which is like where he and his family are from. And Aragorn refuses and uh, Boromir accuses him that he's like lost all faith and He's basically accusing Aragorn of like not trusting humans at all, and it's kind of just building a little bit more of that like that tension between the tension two. between the two characters. So it's cool that there's just huh. like that little world building setup, but yeah, and it's like the world building setup by that I mean like them talking about going through Minas Tirith, which is Gondor, and then like them setting up the that tension that leads into that scene with uh, Frodo and Boromir. Yeah, but I just I love that scene with Frodo and Boromir because you're just seeing this man like 
all Boromir wants to do, and it's just so sad. He's such a sad character because all he wants to do is like impress his essentially like his people, his right? People. Yeah. And, that's, and all he wants to do is like he wants to do what he can to like save mankind and like he's just so blinded by like we can use this weapon for our own like good as humans but he doesn't get the fact that this weapon it doesn't work for anybody this is Mm -hmm. uh sauron's like sauron made this weapon for himself basically it it is mutually assured destruction yeah um i love that scene just because it like i I hear you. I also feel like there's like a bit of him, the way he delivers his lines, the way he acts, you can feel the, he doesn't want to do this. He's so Mm -hmm. conflicted. Yeah. When like Frodo puts on the ring and runs off and like Boromir just like, he's essentially like almost crying when he's like calling out for Frodo. It's desperation. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. And it's just, he's such a broken character. And that's why, uh, on like subsequent rewatches of this trilogy, I like him more. Like I said, when I first watched these movies, I thought Boromir was the, the worst character, <laughs> but I really like him. I should ask Dustin, because I know there's trivia here, but I couldn't remember what it was. Um, when Aragorn slices the orc's knife in, uh, out of the air, yes. there, there's some trivia there that I can't remember. What what was it? Yeah, so the trivia is uh, um, Lertz, who's the essentially the... Uh, Urukai, like the head Urukai that is leading the army that chases down the fellowship. That's a cool he, looking one. When, oh, yeah. yeah, when he throws his uh, dagger, that was not on purpose. And that was like an actual like sharpened weapon. He wasn't supposed to throw it. He was supposed to just like swing his arm. And so that ent- that scene, Griffin, where Aragorn cuts the or like basically slices the dagger out of the air was actually real. That was not. Oh, wow. That wasn't in the script. That wasn't anything like that. That was actually Viggo Mortensen cutting the, the dagger out of the air. It, it looks that, so good because it's like practical and, and an accident. Exactly. Yeah. That yeah. is and amazing. It an yeah. It was not supposed to be there at all. Like that was just a scene that, again, this is where like Viggo Mortensen's casting in this was so good. He just like, there's so many different parts that happen with him where he just like does things that were not even in the script or part of the movie or reacting to things that happen and just sells it. I would have never known that that wasn't in the script. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely thought that was like a scripted thing that was like yeah. CG or something for how they did it. That is cool. One of the last things I want to mention here is Samwise being the homie and telling Frodo oh, like, no, like you're not doing this alone. Like you've got me with you. You guys don't understand. I cry every time that I watch this movie at that scene where it, the scene where Frodo is leaving and Sam is following him and he says, go back, Sam, I'm going alone. And he says, of course you are. And I'm coming with you. And Sam can't swim and just walks out into the water. I just become an emotional wreck at that part because like, it just gets me. And then when, when uh, Frodo pulls Sam out of the water into the boat and he's talking to him, he's like, why would you do this? And he's like, I made a promise he said, I said, uh, he's like, I made a promise to Gandalf. He said, don't you leave him, Samwise Gamgee. And I don't mean to. I don't mean to. And it's just like, Sam is literally the, he's the MVP of the entire series. Griffin, you'll totally get it as the movies go on. But Sam is like the best character in this entire trilogy. Yeah, I I love Sam. I loved Samwise immediately. 
Yeah, he is. He's, he just wants to be there for him. He yeah. is a perfect character. Like, the Legolas as a kid was my favorite character, but every, like, upon rewatches as I got older, I was like, man, Sam is by far the best character in this entire franchise. Like, he's really? so good. MVP of the trilogy. Yeah, for sure. Like, he is definitely the MVP of the trilogy. And it's like, yeah, that scene gets me just like, I. If I'm not crying at that scene, like there must be something wrong with me that day. Because, like, <laughs> every time I watch this movie, I'm just like in a wreck at that part. We end. Oh, go ahead. I was just trying to think of any like last little minute things from that scene. Um, there's a couple parts that we didn't really talk about where it, sh- it like shows how. Uh, I think it's in both versions where Saruman is essentially like creating the urukai right like they show that scene oh yeah yeah for sure yeah yeah, yeah. I, for, so, I forgot like, to mention that and i think they're like a mix of elves and just regular orcs or something like that or he mentions it, that orcs are you just, nailed it no it's a crossbreed yeah, yeah. so they and can so, like, they can be in the daylight and they can travel very quickly yeah um so the reason like that's such an important part is because it's establishing the urukai is like the Orakai become a big bad of the, the trilogy, you know, like a lot of the armies and the fights throughout the rest of the movies are essentially they're fighting the Orakai. Um, so it's just cool to show how they're like made. Disgusting when they're sense. coming out of like their little. So gross. Oh, yeah. It was egg thing. Nasty. And and oh. that's like where we get introduced, I think, to the the theme, right? Like the villain theme. Is it in that scene or did they introduce it earlier? I can't remember, but there's like the bomb 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 bomb. And it's like just like this menacing theme that plays whenever they're around. And... That sounds right, I think, if I remember yeah. right. It might have uh, been during the fight earlier between Saruman and It could have been, yeah. And a couple other scenes as well too during just like that last section is where uh after Frodo escapes from Boromir, he runs into Aragorn. And he talks to Aragorn up on top of like the there's like an an old um like an old like piece of some building or something like that up there and he's talking to him and essentially it's where Frodo and Aragorn have this mutual like understanding that Frodo mm-hmm. needs to go on his own. And like he needs to do this on his own kind of thing. And then that's when he sees the sword light up and they know that The orcs are near. Yeah. The orcs are near. And then like there's another scene after that where they do a really cool one shot where the camera goes down the mountain and it like follows the orcs running down and like fight. You like kind of go through the fight a little bit and it's just really cool. Cause it's like all shot in like a one shot. And I think the camera was just set up on a rig that went down the hill to like show like the, the orcs chasing the fellowship. And it was just really cool. Oh really yeah. Cool. I, know, I know what shot you're talking. Yes. Yeah. That, that shot was awesome. And that's what made yeah. me like go back and like find the DP. I was like, this dude's yeah. doing amazing work. Yeah, and I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, I think the dude, uh, the fight choreographer was, like, also one of the, he did, like, does work on, like, Star Wars and stuff like that as well, too, and, like, other stuff. So, like, the choreography and the fights is really, really awesome in this movie as well, too, and that scene, that whole end scene just shows it, especially with, like, Boromir leading up to his death and, like, demise at the hands of Lurtz, which was just super cool to like see him save the hobbits because if it wasn't for him you know he's the one who saves mary and pippin for yeah. like, that little bit of time and yeah he kind of he redeems himself in the end there for sure uh i think dustin or or griffin you guys both um, alluded to it we end our our film with the fellowship split slash divided only physically 
not so much emotionally with Gimli saying, no, like, what, what does Gimli say at the end? I should have wrote down the quote. Um, it was like, uh, pack lightly, let's go kill, let's yeah, go hunt some more. But it's, yeah, yeah but essentially, yeah, yeah. yeah like, it, it, it's, a, it's a hype moment for sure. Yeah, They're like, pack with this, let's just go they, kill these things. They put Boromir in the boat to give him essentially his Viking his funeral yeah. where he goes over the edge. And then after that, Legolas runs and like put, starts pushing the boat into the water to go follow um, Sam and Frodo and Aragorn basically tells him like, no, like they're, they have their own mission. We need to go save Merry and Pippin. Like we need to go find the other hobbits and let's go kill some orcs. Yeah. Let's and then we'll all inevitably meet up together again. Cause yeah. that's how movies work. It's, it's such a cool, like, unique take to split up the group at the end of the movie like this Mm -hmm. because again if you don't know what's coming and that's where i'm so jealous of you griffin is that like you're like oh man what are they gonna do now like the the fellowship is split this movie is called the fellowship of the ring and they just split the fellowship up my only assumptions here are that bad things are going to happen because they split the party (laughs) all you know is that there's there's two towers and that's uh, that's all you know You know what? I didn't even think of that. <laughs> All you know is there's two towers and everybody except for Boromir will be back. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Boromir. We've got a few reviews I picked from Letterboxd that I thought were just kind of funny to end the show with. This one comes from Lucy. She writes, what's better than this? Guys being dudes. Which, <laughs> big agree, Lucy. Guys being dudes. Yeah. Uh, another from... Uh, Nice guys, he writes, get yourself a man as loyal as Samwise Gamgee. MVP. So true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so true. And the last comes from Karen H. She writes, does Peter Jackson know he made the only three good movies to ever exist? I love that so much because I get in arguments all the time, especially with uh, um, Hugo, if you guys know. Hugo, oh, of course. Uh, yeah. 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 From Remember the Film? Yes, from Remember the Film, uh, check it out with Hugo and Jeff. I'm sorry, I do not remember Jeff's friend's name that's also on the podcast as well, so forgive me. Uh, Jeff is my co-host on uh, Podcast Monsters. So, But anyways, Hugo and I get in uh, debates all the time about uh, Star Wars versus Lord of the Rings. So this, does Peter Jackson know he made the only three good <laughs> Perfect. And if Hugo, if you listen to this, this is for you. I'm aiming this directly at you. I'm going to send this to him because him and I talk about David Lynch pretty often Uh, so he him and i love to uh bag on the other film he likes to uh crap on lord of the rings i like to crap on star wars we both do it in good fun we're both huge fans of both of the opposite i love star wars he loves lord of the rings so it's all in good fun griffin i'm glad you enjoyed lord of the rings the fellowship of the ring at the very least I'm just happy you it liked the first movie. Very good movie. I can't wait to watch Two Towers. I'm glad we have Mike Dustin with us. I can't wait because I'm gonna. I haven't rewatched the theatrical version of uh, Two Towers yet since um, since I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, so I'm excited to. Well, maybe not even a kid. I think it was similar to you, Christian, where I'd like seen it. You know, TNT used to do marathons all the time, so I would watch them on that. Right. Um, but I'm really excited to rewatch them. I bought the 4K re-release because, of course, I did, and it comes. With Why not? The, that sounds awesome. And it came with both the extended and the theatrical, so it's cool that I can watch the, uh, go back and watch the, 
theatrical cut of that for the first time in a long time. I'm so excited, Griffin, for you to see finally see Helms Deep. And like that's all I have Ooh. to say. And anybody Ooh. that knows Lord of the Rings knows what I'm talking about. Um, I know not what this is. Yeah, and uh, non non spoilers, but um, Sam just continues to be the MVP. <laughs> like it's so good. <laughs> Like, I'm, I'm really excited to jump into Two Towers, and honestly, this is not an ad, but I'm so happy all three are on HBO Max. Yeah, <laughs> same. Like, yeah, same. It so easy. It really does. I love that they did that because it is so perfect for people to be able to watch them. Um, yeah, I'm excited. There's a lot of there's a lot of things. As a kid, uh, Two Towers was my favorite of the movies because it had a lot more action. Mm. Um, than the first one and there's like specific scenes it's my least favorite of the three now but that's nothing Agreed. against the movies that's like for me the first and third one are like 10 out of 10 movies and the second one's like a nine you know so it's not like it's a bad movie it's just my least favorite of the three i feel the exact same way yeah but it's always hard for the middle movie to uh kind of like live up because... empire strikes back yeah that's that's one and i guess the um Last Jedi are two movies that don't really fall into that category where they are the best of those respective trilogies. But what you're telling me that the the episode two of Star Wars isn't the best of the uh... oh, I mean, Attack of the Clones, man. We can't <laughs> we can't dismiss that. No, I actively forget the subtitle. Yeah, I think um, there's a couple scenes in the extended edition of the Two Towers which I don't think benefit the movie as much. And so I'm excited to rewatch the theatrical cut to see if it changes how I feel at all about the movie. Because again, it's not my, I don't dislike the movie in any way. It's just my least favorite. I'm just, I'm realizing now that I have a thing for trilogies where I, usually my favorite is always the first one. This one is not mm-hmm. an exception. Star Star Wars, I think uh, A New Hope is my favorite. Batman Begins is my favorite of that trilogy. So really? that's just funny. Yeah. Man, that's I I love Batman Begins, but it's so rare to hear anybody say that it's not the Dark Knight. I just, I, mean, I just love Origins. Movie. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Sorry, what Batman were you saying, Griffin? Say so the Dark the Dark Knight is so good. Like it's yeah. uh, it makes sense why that's every most everyone's favorite. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and it's sometimes it's just hard to live up to what like when you catch lightning in a bottle, like uh, with Jurassic Park, for example. I know you did an episode on that with Eric. Uh, oh yeah. A little bit ago. And that movie, I was listening to your guys' episode and you talk, you guys talked a little bit about how um, The Lost World just like, it did not live up at all mm-hmm. to the magic of the first movie. And I think it's, it was like, I don't know, it was almost like right place, right time for that movie to work as well as it did the first one. Like, yeah, it's, like, yeah, and it doesn't work for every other movie. Like, I know a lot of people love all three of the Matrix movies, and I haven't rewatched two and three since I was a kid, so I have fond memories of them. But the first one is I the best will... one, and exactly, and that's what I'm yeah. going to say is that I rewatched the first one again recently, and it still holds up. It's still so good that like I'm afraid to watch the second and third one because I rewatched the first one. <laughs> I mean, the first one was like you said, lightning in a bottle. Yeah. And so with Lord of the Rings, I think what was nice about it was it is it's an established property. Um, so at least we knew that they had like good source material to make these definitely off of. And it's one where 
I think all three of the movies are just so good. Like I, I, I'll go back and forth on like, depending on the day between the first and third movie of Lord of the Rings and which my, which is my favorite. I like that. Folks, we hope you enjoyed today's episode of Large Popcorn. Remember to give us a, stu- a sub to stay up to date with all our cinema thoughts here on Large Popcorn. Significant updates for you. We're recording some cool episodes in March. Uh, you won't want to miss. We've got an upcoming horror episode pretty soon, uh, ranking our favorite horror movies. Uh, we've got a Danish film on the docket uh, with our good friend and streamer Islam as well as some meditations on David Lynch with uh, our friend Dustin just mentioned, Hugo. Um, So stay tuned. Uh, Griffin, where can people find you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at GriffyDPad. That is G-R-I-F-F-I-D-P-A-D. You can also check out uh, Disney Plus Us every Tuesday uh, podcast services. Should have an episode with uh, Christian coming out here uh, pretty soon, actually. Oh, man, that episode was awesome. So much fun. I think this kind of comes out in two weeks as of the recording date. Nice. So, yeah, keep an eye out for that. Otherwise, yeah, Twitter's the easy place to find everything I do because I do a lot of crap. Dustin, how about yourself, my man? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter as well at uh, D underscore danger 10, the number 10. Um, and you can also check me out on Podcat Monsters. That's P-O-D-K-E-T Monsters. Uh, that's our new um, Pokemon podcast that uh, Jeff uh, Grizz Ulrich and I have been doing. Uh, since this year is the 25th anniversary of Pokemon, we figured what what better time to do a Pokemon podcast than right now. Um, our most recent episode we just did, we recorded with Mike Toundro of 61ND, and it was our predictions for what we think will be announced at uh, during Pokemon Day this coming up Saturday. So if you are interested in at all in the Pokemon Day event and you want to see some predictions and just hear some dorks talk about Pokemon for two hours, um, give us a follow on... Uh, it's Podcast Monsters on YouTube. We're on every um, podcast platform you can think of as well. So, Yeah. My two, my two wholesome co-hosts of Podcast Monsters. I love you and Jeff. <laughs> Thank you. And Jeff's a great person to host about Pokemon with. Mm-hmm. He's, he is so wholesome. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Until next time, listeners, we hope you enjoyed the show.